if you do want to just write and that's what you need in actual therapy, Script Revolution at least gives you that baseline of somewhere you can put a script and just get on with your writing and there will always be a chance. And it does happen that people get found that way. In the room, 52 Jokers Wild. Ah, welcome back to the show. In the room this week is writer, producer CJ Wally, who loves to create rebellious movies with powerful female leads. And that's probably all we'll probably talk about possibly in this movie that we're making here. So CJ, we noticed in your little bit of blurb that you started writing around about 2012 and you mentioned Amazon there. And I remember putting a script into Amazon and I went, the sea of people here with all their, you know, uh, tribes, it's very hard to get a script in there and get recognition. How did you find that process? Is that really where you got started? I mean, Amazon Studios. I mean, it was it was a bit of a zoo, wasn't it? Let's let's not beat around the bush. Like oh, no, it was manic. I, I don't know if anyone had a clue what was going on, and that included Amazon themselves. With that, it was it was absolute bedlam. They did a bunch of controversial things, like not being part of the WGA when they started, which I think, in retrospect, was madness. And everyone was submitting their material and I sat on their site, sat on their forum for probably about three years through that madness. And it all just kind of petered out in the end and a bunch of people found out that their scripts weren't getting made in the press. So (laughs) I (laughs) gave my account banned in the end. That's how that ended. Yeah. Yeah. I got kicked out by some, some part-time worker on a Saturday who thought I was spamming the forum. So (laughs) Yeah, that was a beautiful experience. But I'm I mean, gonna I, jump. I'm gonna jump yeah, in jump now because I, I I only read a couple of words on your on your uh, bio blogging or something <laughs> on your on your website. Oh, I think it was is. hosted by Amazon. I think your bio is. But it's it's you're saying the revolution. I can see what was happening here. I see a little bit of Citizen Smith back in 2015. And that chap in the Amazon little room said, my job, my life is just not worth putting up with the spam. And, the, and from this feckin' CJ Wally whatever, giving me grief about not making his movies. So <laughs> you reckon there was a little bit of that going on? There was definitely, I mean, definitely a conspiracy. I mean, there's always a conspiracy, Garvey. Come on. I mean, like, I was, I was nipping oh, yes. at their heels. But it was that classic thing where they, they'd created a forum and the forum had been full of these kind of bitter writers who weren't going anywhere. And those that had had their projects picked out were kind of this kind of theoretical higher status in the hierarchy. It was a complete mess. And it all, it, basically, there was a member who was going around attacking everyone's scripts. And, so that um, was your alter ego. That was you as well. So <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a young Asian woman that I like to pose as on my own. Oh, right. And I I didn't take I That's hate the rebellious that. women in there, you know. Was, yeah, was, yeah, I should have really I should have appreciated it being inspired, but instead I was angered and, and disappointed. And, and I really, really don't like people that go around attacking people's scripts. So yeah. I got her banned accidentally by complaining <laughs> she came back and got me banned because there are all these posts about script writing. I think CJ that's called tit for tash that's what that is well I think I was definitely the tit in that situation no I, no what's interesting here is I, you know, George at the openings mentioned you like strong women you know so I think we all like strong women and we're not talking about the female Arnold Schwarzenegger here no. or, or but but it's are we I think we actually need to be strong women because the women in my family and, and George's I know the women are the bosses they get shit done they can multitask they got lists as long as your arm we need to be they we used to be they used be to be strong three women men. to get our scripts out there. I know. There used to be three men in our household, me and my two sons. But then my two sons left, and I was left on my own with my wife. My wife's five foot. She's a little diminutive sort of little little person. But by golly, she's, she's taller than Garvin, who's six foot six or whatever you are now, Garvin. <laughs> Seven foot two of the ego, George. Who knows yeah. that? Oh, I know that. I know that. I know. But actually, I'm six inches less because the ego, well, I used to say that line many a year ago because – Everywhere you went as a young lad, you went, how tall are you? You think you're, you think you're tall? I, you, you gave them the answer, six foot six. Then I said, look, that's the answer. That's the functional answer. So I always used to say, 
seven foot two with the ego. And the ego was six inches of extra hair. So I had my Mohican. So I, my ego was gone. I have no hair. I'm back to six foot six in the answering game. We all need us extra six <laughs> inches of ego, I think, to get shit done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's a now six I see you've actually down. got the six inches going this direction. That yeah, so yeah. You've... <laughs> I'm, I'm going down to the ground with this, but you know, you have to you have to find something, don't you? Whether you lose it off the top, I mean, that's a whole other subject. That is, and um, yeah, I mean, but CJ, you you went off, you became Citizen Smith, and you started the revolution mm-hmm. in the script revolution. You might as well go there for about. You got ninety seconds. That's all we're going to give you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all it deserves, really, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's just a, a free script hosting website, and that's basically it. And anyone can go on, and anyone can read scripts and put their scripts on there. It just completely democratized that yeah. whole thing back when you know, you couldn't do that anywhere else. And it was costing, what is it now to host a script on the blacklist? $25 a month, $30 a month. I oh, mean, wow. just, okay. Now there's work in there. Obviously just some make, does it make, does that part of what you facilitate is it self paying for? Does it create, does it, how many opportunities have come for it? You got launched from it. it does, what does it do anything other than host 10,000 scripts or is there, is it now becoming an interest, like an industry go-to space? It's becoming a go-to space at the, the bottom end of the industry, the small indie side of the industry. I, big studios, big production companies. I don't think they're even looking at the internet full stop. They're just overwhelmed no. with agency submissions, what they've built up as a war chest after their experiences with the WGA, you know, 10 years ago. And um and, and, and a load of projects that they've never still managed to turn around. So that I don't think they're even looking at the internet. I think anyone a bit smaller than that's looking at the big players, um, yeah. that area. And I, I think I've, I've kind of hoovered up all the indie, the students that are turning. Right. Now you've done a lot of hoovering. That's no, yeah. not, gee, I nearly <laughs> I would have got shot for this. I was nearly going to say, you've done the woman's job. Gee, no, I didn't. To roll back, George, yeah. I never said that. That is now my job in this house. I hoover for Ireland. I hoover for the world. But I like what you did. You Dyson Dyson for Ireland. That's it. No, using the terminology of hoover, you know, you're Dysoning. You've actually created the lake. There's a lake of indie talent of ready to go something. Now, we, 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 our last 20 shows, we've been talking to writers and this, that, and the other. And the same questions keep on coming up. They're, they're in the room with a 50 grand, 500 grand, 5 million bill for someone yeah. else to get this out there with a short breakthrough feature, the first jump to a, a meaningful budget. I read a couple of the lines that dropped out of your bio was, you're very, very, very conscious of the end consumer. You want to give them entertainment. But your second customer was the investor. You have to, this is yeah. your first customer with them over. That talent pool that you've created has is totally dependent upon money. Someone invests in money and belief in that story. Are they there? Are they fishing? Is it getting more difficult? The investors, I don't think the investors are there. I, I think that, you know, the, the, half the time the investors are, are working through fund managers anyway. So so half the time with film, you're dealing with, you know, a third party and you'd be lucky to, to, to converse with the investors until you've got the money itself. So I don't think the money people are there very often. You get a few people that are doing well in real estate and places like that. But mostly it's the producers, it's the people that have the connections to that money that are floating around. And again, I mean, what percentage of producers actually have independent funding? Most of them are are kind of just throwing what they can at studios and to to the large extent. So I think that's the the reality of it. You get a few self-funded directors, you know, the really low end, you know, the kind of $10,000 range and areas like that. So you get people. Right. If you were to stratify and like, again, you may not see the weird thing about I'm, I'm interested in uh, information date. There's a lot of data there, but it, they got, you got to turn date, raw data into intelligence information to, so what you can have is, 500 stories in there, 50 horror. If you if you spin it by genre, five comedies, 50 horror, six drama. And then you start stratifying again, going, it's there's 40 shorts of 10 grand, 50 of 500, 
20 floating around at 10 million, they're in dreamland. What is in the pool? Is there sharks, piranhas, tunas and tiddlywinks? <laughs> There's a bit of everything in there, which is quite interesting. I mean, something that Script Revolution does that no one else does is there's a tremendous amount of metadata that you can attach to a script. It's kind of built on that. Yeah. So you can put so much detail into what your story is, also what your budgetary requirements are, not just in terms of money, but logistics. So if you've got a shoestring feature on there, you can actually promote it as a shoestring feature and kind of wear right. that badge of honor. Generally speaking, I find most writers are in that dreamy world. Like that's just yeah. across the board, Script Revolution and everywhere else. I think a lot of people really want that big, huge studio, $300 million, a million dollars for the writer, huge back-end payments. So I do generally find most people are doing that. And I try to discourage that to a degree. And I say yeah. Yeah. every writer's portfolio, everyone who's trying to break in, have a sexy, glamorous, low-budget thriller, no huge amounts of action, no, you know, garish porn, um, pornography profanity. Yes, yeah, no, also, that's a winner. Yeah. That's a winner already. No, Pull it back no, in. No garish <laughs> pornography either, preferably. You know, yeah. so it can get made in that million-dollar range. Yeah by, yeah. you know, a small production company maybe well, aiming at TV. There's an interesting thing about, because uh, I remember with the film that I made, um, we had the word bitch turning up all the time, and that got the film a 12 because of that word. And, and you know, you're sitting there kind of going, these films are technically, they have to go through certification to be able to be released on DVD, VHS, or anywhere you want them to go, they have to get that certification. And I know that I've told students of mine so many times, don't be swearing. And in Ireland, they swear every other word. And they're sitting there kind of going, this is part of our culture. You're robbing us of our culture. And I'm kind of going, but if you keep on doing that, you'll never get your films above the ground. They'll just stay there. I got to jump in, George, because yeah. someone jumps in the middle of this conversation and tuned into DVD and VHS there. I'm going, we're, we're in streaming OTT you know, super sort of digital space, plug straight into your brain and AI, and you're off and beat a max VHS sort of hocking tapes no, no, and videos. I'm, <laughs> I'm being aware of the, the audience that still is actually out there watching the likes of DVDs and trying to go back. You know, we, we were talking to... I'm only messing. It's a VHS you know. bit I went after yeah, there for a but, second. <laughs> yeah, I know. But still, uh, the digital side of things still has to go through certification of some nature. Otherwise, you know, because technically, I know in the UK law, you're not allowed to release anything that's a drama unless it's gone through the certification, you know, regardless of what... Um, platform you're doing so that so we're, i mean what we're trying to do is to try and educate filmmakers to start to realize if you want to put your film into practice and make it happen you've there's a lot of other things you've got to consider within your script I and mean, even my own scripts because we've put one of my scripts through garvin's process and we've started to realize we need to cut it back the what's going on in the story try and keep the essence of the story, but keep cutting back everything that's going to cost us money so that we can reduce, you know, the cost of the, of the film. And I think that's the biggest thing we've had with writers coming to us. Uh, they, when they come for, to work on their budget for their script, they've actually got no idea of what their film's going to cost. And the cost that they've already put in, as you said, they've given themselves a massive, great big salary, which isn't justified based on the cost of what the film should be made for. So how are you encouraging people to consider those parts of that process when they come to put together a story? I mean, this is this is a huge problem at the moment. It's that writers aren't thinking like producers and I'm, I've got a big push at the moment um, and it's going to be an even bigger push in 2022 to try and change this mindset because writers aren't thinking about the production. They aren't thinking about what it takes to make a production. And I have written guys to try and help with this. And they, worst of all, is they aren't thinking about the marketplace in any way whatsoever. Other, actually, yeah. they will take what a blockbuster's doing. So they'll say like zombies yeah. are really in and then they'll write a zombie movie five years too late for when it actually yeah. matters, when everyone else is doing that. But what there is, is there's a complete lack of awareness of, of what sells, where it sells, how it sells, how films make money. So the market side, the complete ignorance, um, which is why I say make a sexy low budget thriller, because if you walk into a Walmart or well, we're not doing that over in Ireland or England, are we? But um, if you walk into, I was going to say Woolworths. 
That's shit's out loud. I got to bring the period into the 22nd century here. Because they're going back to 1911 now. You'd be cycling around and you're God knows what. No, actually, we will be because they're getting rid of petrol cars. They're bringing out the electric ones. We're going backwards. We're going backwards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming on the horse and cart soon, except for they make too much methane. You go to you go to Woolworths on your Sinclair C5. You walk yeah. in, you get a VHS collection, and you'll see that they are all kind of sexy, low-budget thrillers because that's what yeah. most people want. I'm, to Flash them. Gordon just jumped into my bloody head there. Now, actually, <laughs> I think it's because I've Ming, I have Ming the Merciless in front of me, and he's just yeah. reminded me of Flash Gordon, and I and that the little the little spaceship going around in a circle with a start with a, with a with starlight out its backside. And it was fantastic. I don't know what the budget was then and there, but we nearly, that's what we're talking. We have to, now one thing I love what you just said, CJ, was that whole sentence of what you just said is what the last 25 shows has been about. You've actually rounded up everybody, writers coming from here. All the one people we've talked to lately have not necessarily become from being scriptwriter anymore. What was happening was they were editor becoming scriptwriter. They were actor becoming director, scriptwriter. They were they were actually ed- editor, director, producer going, I know what works, I'll become scriptwriter. And it was working backwards from the yeah. other end of the yeah. business chain going, this is what we can do with a budget. We need to write this. And it wasn't that they were even commissioning it. They'd already gone through 20 years of being in the business and going, this is what works. This is the minimum value proposition if we treat it in business language. It's the maximum bang for a budget book. And it has to be with investor and then ROI in mind and with bums on seats and what they're looking for. And it's not this vanity project that we call script and drawers that no one commissioned. You don't know what it's going to cost. You don't know the market size and you don't know how to get it back when you expect someone else to pay the bill. Exactly. That, that, that ending's perfect. It's that complete irresponsibility. It's that, it's that theory of that's the investor's problem. That's the distributor's problem. If it doesn't make any money, as long as my name goes up in lights and everyone appreciates my genius and my niche ideas, you, you, you have to collaborate. Like Screenwriters need to know that collaboration is key on so many levels. And investors are scared enough of going into film. Like most investors are told right off the bat by fund managers, restaurants, nightclubs and film do not invest in any of them. They're vanity projects. Um, and in all fairness, I think a lot of people that do invest, they're doing it for the lifestyle over anything else. They, they want to hook up with movie stars and hang out on that's set. It. And they, they've obviously never worked in the film industry. Well, that's it. And then the second, <laughs> that, second they 16 show hours up. a day. Are you, are you, is your body going to sort of stop functioning because you're stuck in front of a computer trying to edit somebody else's appalling piece of work? George, you're not, not looking to work. They're not looking to work in the industry. They're looking to walk in the industry. The limelight, oh, the glory, the carpet. <laughs> they got a red carpet in the back of the mark. Yeah, they keep the driver about the gets red rolls it out there's a red carpet going now the thing is the festivals aren't online there's no red carpet you know it's it's now they hopefully they'll come back you know live soon so that because that whole investor going if i've no carpet to walk and no bump people to bump into i don't want to be in zoom space with 300 heads on the screen and go there's me million quid not gonna happen now the weird thing is there's a space we we're trying to define what indie production is, let's say in Ireland and England, and go and, and for us personally, we're going to float pre one million and go. There's this particular space there that yeah. we want to court in training and education to the, the, the launch breakout feature of the up and coming talent that's on the head of that curve that's ready to break out, ready, willing, and able to put in that extra effort, do what it takes, learn what was they don't know, and and because they know something is stopping them. They're in the pool you're talking about and they're swimming around in circles. They're in the fishbowl. They want to get they want to get out of it into their own fish tank and a couple of tropical pieces and a couple of skulls in the background. So how do they get out of the pool and they and be seen and be heard? And who are you seeing breaking through out of your talent pool of, of the revolution? Who's the revolutionary leaders in there? Well, I think a lot of it comes from humility and and finding humility in the film industry is kind of, you know, like finding a needle in a haystack a lot of the time or finding a 
a, a piece of hay in a needle stack, I think perhaps a better term. So many people just want to go to the top. So I think that if you can have that humble attitude that, you know, of going in and sleep, sweeping the floors for free, making yourself indispensable, that immediately gets you out of probably 90% of the people out there who are kind of, they've got like a Wall Street bets attitude. You know, they're just trying to, they're looking for a lottery win. And I think they, you know, focusing on voice rather than concept is important. And that's more of a long-term strategy. But also I'm noticing the people that are succeeding are the ones that are are going that extra mile with the, this kind of package that they're creating with the script. You know, people who are writing synopsises, who are kind of thinking about who realistically who casting are going to be locations, what the real budget requirements are. Those people, you know, even just creating poster images and things like that to create a bit of pomp and ceremony around their, their, their script. So it's people who are, who are pitching harder and, and pitching more realistically. And it is really as simple as that. And they're finding an edge. That's brilliant. You know what you've just yeah. done now? You've come from the opposite way again. Because a minute ago, we were saying, we were mentioning everyone we're coming across is coming from investor back to, from into production, understanding what they want and doing it themselves and writing it and not engaging with the writer, becoming the writer themselves. Now we're saying the writer if they want to achieve the same thing, has to step out of there, start understanding editing, start understanding production, understanding they have a product that has to get the end consumer, be marketed and developed and work and find this production team that they can associate with and become more the part of the team. You cannot be a writer in a drawer and expect to be the ticket that wins the lottery. It will happen, but 900 times out of, you know, it won't. I, I, whole I think, point. again, it's, it's, I mean, one of the problems I found through, you know, I, I've come through editing, but I've also produced, you know, corporate type videos and all sorts of things. And you've got the same kind of problem that's happening right across the, 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 the market, if you like where people have these un- unrealistic ex- expectations of what can be achieved in a certain amount of time. Uh, and, that, and that's, I mean, I remember shooting something and then we did multi-camera stuff, but it was mainly me doing a lot of the stuff. And all the guys were kind of going off to the bar and sort of saying, oh, that was brilliant. We had a really good time. And I kind of go, you've just blown your budget on set because you've now made something that's four times bigger than what you expected. And you're asking me, who's running around like a headless chicken trying to get this thing done, to actually put the cost, you know, foot the cost of what you're doing. And every time I went back to them, I kept saying, do you realize that this is the number of hours you've actually accumulated? You do, do you realize that this budget is going, what are you going to do about that? You know, well, we, we, you're supposed to make a film for us based on this price. No, the price was based on a certain number of hours. And one of the difficulties I've had, even from the, you know, I'm not saying that was an amateur thing because that was still a job, but in, 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 in television, I've also found that quite often I've been working with production managers who also didn't understand the processes. And I'm saying to them, if you don't understand what my job is, how can you define what it is that I'm meant to do for you to get the job done? If you can't, if you don't have the basic understandings, you have no idea whether, I, whether I'm you know, right on the button with the cost or 10 times more expensive or maybe a, th- a tenth of the price here that you're, you're anticipating. Yeah. And that is, that's the biggest problem that I've actually found with people working in the industry. So, that, so what we're seeing is it's important to get everybody that wants to be a producer, director, writer, to go through the process of filmmaking as though you're on a proper set and experience what it is that's actually going on with the nuts and bolts part of the process and then to follow it up with an editing part so you understand all the different processes and principles that are going on so you, so you can make the thing function then the script becomes like a computer program <laughs> then once you know how to run it yeah. you can get spot on everything that you want within a defined budget and i think that's our that's our ethos <laughs> that's where we're coming from <laughs> that, that's smart i mean and and i think every experienced producer will say the same go and work on a set get out there you should have a second form of income anyway if you're trying to break into film. Yes. So, you know, go and go and work as a PA, go and, you know, unload grip trucks and, you know, set up C stands and 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 hold lights and, and go and get mayonnaise for the actors and everything else. <clears throat> Do that because you will learn to appreciate how the whole brigade puts this thing together and you'll understand more importantly the limitations that you can incidentally create as a writer without even realizing it. So that's that's a big part of it. But I'm a big believer in going and reading the books um, if you can't do anything else, which a lot of writers can do in silence if they want to stay a hermit. 
and even just reading the books on the history of production or the production of your yes. favorite films is so enlightening because people seem to believe that films are made in this perfect ecosphere of everyone being competent, everyone being on the same page, everyone starting in one place with a destination and hitting that destination, which rarely happens even with the biggest yeah. films out there. Yeah. And I think that that gives you so much insight into what can go wrong, how it can go wrong, and how money plays a part in that. Yeah. Yeah, no, and actually, I, I was, George just robbed all my lines. I was sitting here being very, very good go. listening. <laughs> and I said, I'll round this up. I'll round it up. We have the full holistic. We have exactly as you said, CJ, everybody has to know everyone else's role there they can be the expert in their silo but they have to step out of it reach out of it and understand the interplays of the rest of the business and all the other functions then they know their role within the bigger picture and how they interact with everyone else so but spent now when you start talking bigger productions that's very very hard to achieve with two thousand people and a million moving parts but in indie production it can't, it's everybody's around you. It mm -hmm. might be 50 people there, but you can see them all. You can see all the moving parts. <clears throat> it's actually simpler. And therefore, that's why we want to go play in this talent pool of bring your A game, show us, show us your best game at this minimum cost and maximum value from writer to crew to cast. And no A-listers, that you're, you're, you're aspiring to be the A-lister, but as soon as anyone becomes it, they're, they're, they're someone else's bigger bill. They're not in indie production. That's not how this, this ecosphere or works. Now, you can aim for the stratosphere. If that's where you're going, you're launching from here. Now, I'm going to bring... So I'm happy we're all talking the same language. It's, you know, we're, but the, I, I remember Mo O'Connell saying, I am, I am a writer-actor. That's someone else. That, I, one of my favorite little acronyms is SEP. That's someone else's problem. And, and then we're saying it's not a problem. It's you're dependent upon your fame and fortune is dependent upon someone else. If you're saying it's not your problem, it's because if you're there, you've been asked to be there. You're paid to be there. You can act, but you're not there unless you're there for free with your lunch book, your lunch pail unless someone else is paying for it. So it's, the, no, I, I hate saying that as the accountant. They're not paying for it. They're seeing this as an investment all day long or a charity. Because as you said, if you don't expect the money back, they're being charitable. They're, they're, they're being philanthropic. Yeah. If they expect the money back, they're not going to get burned twice. Let, they're investing um, in the belief of the story. Yeah, well, I just want to just clarify a couple of things there because, um, yeah, Mo did actually say that. But one of the things that was she put into practice was that she 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 did find that to make some of the projects she had to you know man up and go and do certain things. So she became a line producer, and she made sure that these things functioned. So although she didn't necessarily recognize it through the language of oh no george us, i'm not i'm yeah, not no, shooting more down yeah. I, no no, no, no I, great. I, I think it's mo is yeah, great she, but mo is great yeah no, no, I think no it's the important. thing is That's what all. we if we functionalize everything we understand anybody and everybody yes. in the system is only in their own comfort zone of their own expertise and is afraid to step beyond the edge because that's where they need to go if they want to make sure stuff happens if someone else is not asking for it to happen. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's yeah. the only difference there. But I mean, we all want to make our time, you know, like CJ, you're saying, you read the little bio, for your first five weeks, you were saying you were crying like a baby, yeah. you were insecure, <laughs> or the first five years. Then you're going, now you broke out, you kept on going because you're the artist, you're the writer, you believe in yourself. But anywhere along that journey, the fallout of most people, if they can't get that break, is, is in, I'm sure, in the 90 percents. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's, and it's painful to watch. I, I, I see most people give up within two, two to three years. And, and it's a spectacular way they give up as well. You know, the, the rocket just goes for it. I'm going to be the biggest thing in Hollywood. They start quoting themselves. They start talking in monologues <laughs> about their own production. Like it's a, they're the main player in everyone else's life. Are you talking about yeah. me, CJ? Yeah, That's absolutely. everything I do in the last 25 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> and, and, um, 
And then they come plummeting back down, you know, because Hollywood's rejected them. And yeah. the, the problem I see is I call it the Cinderella narrative. That's what I call yeah. it. And I see this over and over again. And I see it with people in general, but I see it in the arts the most. And it's this belief that if you sing quietly while sweeping the floors and you sing with the mice and you're all meek and, and you dream about all these wonderful things happening, but you don't expect it. And that's a critical thing because it's a, a karma yes. hack. You don't expect it. Then eventually a fairy godmother is going to pop up out of nowhere, get in your carriage. <laughs> we're off to, to the palace. The prince is going to fall in love with you and you're going to be rich and the entire, the entire town is going to worship your existence. And I see that with artists. They genuinely believe that if they sit there, like you say, scripts in a drawer, just I'm just a humble little artist dreaming of Hollywood, yeah. but I don't expect it. I don't feel entitled to it. They kind of like think that's a karma hack. And, it, and it's so ironic because they're just pretending to be meek and modest in the hope that they will suddenly be discovered. No, I'm going to take that yeah. little analogy there for a second, <laughs> right? Good. Because now all I can see are all these, you know, single glass slippers thrown about the place yeah. and not a bloody prince to be found. So actually there's only one prince for, for it, the waiting is there's not a prince for every you know, script or every Cinderella. You're going, there's only so many pairs of glass slippers and that doesn't necessarily mean it'll fit. And the whole point is we've got Doc Martin slippers, 16 <laughs> holes, 18 holes, big feet, small feet. You're going, most of the time, that's the problem. We're going, the prince goes along to the dance with his glass slipper and the Cinderella that turns up is, is genius. There's no amount of shoehorn in this thing. It's not going to go on. <laughs> no, it's not going to go in there. No. Well, the thing is they aren't even trying that because what they're doing is they're just waiting in the basement for the fairy godmother. And then when the go fairy godmother doesn't show up and whisk them into Hollywood, there's a degree of resentment. Like I've yeah. been modest. I've been meek. I've not shown any entitlement to all these things I secretly dream about. Why isn't it paid off? And it's this, it's the, it's the, it's the ego-driven modesty of the faux humble artist. It's the, it's this kind of self-destructive mindset. And the artists that succeed are the ones that do go out and push yeah. themselves and promote themselves and get in front of people, not in a tacky way, not in a pushy way, but in a in a humble way, in a, in a differently humble way. And I wish more writers and artists in general would see that. That, that, that oh, yeah. What I can see now is they're, 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 they're not hanging around waiting for a pair of glass slippers. So a couple of them are there have gone off the rumpled sinskin and cobbled together, you know, a bit, a bit of bubble wrap, masking tape. They put it on the feet. They're going to the feckin' ball. Devil be cared. They're in there. There's a poor prince going to do a little bit of Strictly Come Dancing and they feckin' grab him and they, they, they take him off the stage. So the thing is, you've got to kidnap yourself a prince. You can't be waiting in the queue and yeah. Strictly Come Dancing. You've got and to go... Exactly. out there and 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 nearly yeah. hijack them yeah well, the other the other problem i think is that a lot of writers a lot of artists just they they put so much into a single project that and they end up spending then 30 years working on that project and you're kind of going you'd have been better off getting rid of it after the first year and writing 30 projects mm -hmm. having the volume of stuff and, and learning your craft even more and getting them out there and getting the rejects i mean you know, Philip K. Dick, apparently one day his wife opened up the door and there were 37 rejections of, of different things he did that were piled up in front of the <laughs> front door. Yeah. But he carried on and eventually, you know, something got out there. And I think I think it's it's if you stop worrying about the fame and just keep just getting people aware that what you're doing, I think that's the important thing. And you can have a long, 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 long career. And one of the great things about this kind of industry is you can keep reinventing yourself and trying different ideas out as things change and see what happens. Because that's literally what we're doing. Right, <laughs> I've CJ, doing you've, you've, you've actually had an AKA little sort of small Asian lady sort of stalker off the internet. You've done that one. <laughs> you've, you know, Ming the Merciless is what I took you for there now. So you've got to be a bit Ming the Merciless if you want shit done. If you want to take your script out of the door, you got to be merciless with yourself. you got to go out there and make yeah. it happen. So you've said you've got to step out of the drawer. You've got to step into the comfort of other production roles in indie production. you got to re realize there's only a couple of princes out there. So you got, you, you got to make someone else a prince as opposed to look for the only prince in the room. You know, but okay, you're, 
you did all that. The great thing was you did five years of the pondering. You nearly you broke your heart. You nearly gave up. Then you decided, Susan Smith, revolution time. Who was the first against the wall? And, you know, in, in his good old sort of terminology, <laughs> in terms of what you stopped doing and what you started to do differently. Well, I, I mean, I, I, was, I, I was terribly against academic thinking. And I was one of those artists who believed any kind of talk about the craft was kind of, you know, compromising my creative genius and, and, and bringing the walls in around me. So I had that kind of mentality. So the big thing for me was sitting down and reading through all these books on craft, on people who had succeeded and everything else. And kind of opening my, my viewpoint from Hollywood and the studio system. That was a big thing as well. And to stop being obsessed with that and to see this much bigger world, which is like 99% of the film yeah. world is outside of Hollywood, this tiny little pinnacle that we aim for. So that was a, a huge thing. So I basically, I stopped writing big budget features. I stopped writing features altogether and I started focusing on short scripts. And that was all about good craft writing a complete story in six or seven pages, and then getting that out there to filmmakers. And that created this wonderful upward spiral because that was achievable now. I had people mm -hmm. that wanted to make my material. And that was that was just completely changed my outlook because I realized about the audience, about what people want, that people wanted my writing, that, you know, and subjectivity, that was the big thing. It was, it was finally getting my head around subjectivity and accepting it for what it is. Now you've given me imagery. George probably already knows where I'm going. It's in a fair few of the episodes. <laughs> you've an upward, you, you've done the little, the finger thing there. Anyone listening to the podcast is going, what the hell is he talking about? No, you've done a little circular motion. This is a visual media. Get off the podcast it's a visual and watch medium. it on YouTube. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's one of those cyclone hurricanes. And if we start thinking of the next strong woman you've just become, you've just become Dorothy. You're off for those, and we still got the slippers. So we have the, we've changed from Cinderella and the glass slippers to Dorothy and the emerald, yo slippers or wherever the ones they were, or the red ones. And she's off in this cloud to us. She's off to the yellow brick road with the, behind the curtain is the wizard. She has all these things she wants to create. She has to go through some learnings, make some friends, influence a couple of monkeys along the way. And off we go. So you went, you went, you started the yellow brick road journey of shorts. And you met a couple of people along the way and you got to get to go to Oz, which Oz seems like Hollywood, seems like that breakout feature, which we saw on your on your on, one that's out there in a moment we'll mention it a little bit later but who were your compadres at arms who was the line who was the who was the, the other chap the scarecrow scarecrow who was toto man. and tin man did you find the rest of the crew to help um, you go to oz not in shorts surprisingly not not through it didn't logistically get me into indie film um but what it did do is it gave me this boot camp on actually making films and mm. the process of reaching out to people. I mean, I have to give a shout out to J.E. Clark and the Shooting the Shorts um, crew who were out there reviewing short scripts and they had attracted quite a pool of small time short filmmakers and students who actually had a hunger for this. So what was great is I was submitting material to them. I was getting great reviews. And then people were picking it up. Like within a day, it would go out and I'd get, you know, directors saying, I want to make this, can I make it next week? But oh, wow. it never, most of those failed. Like, I think at one point I had 30 short script options and all of those pretty much failed. And then out of the ones that got made, most of them were unfinished or just diabolical or had terrible technical changes. And people completely rewrite material um, and just take the jam out of the donut. And then occasionally I got one or two that were good that went nowhere because they went into film festivals. And that's a whole other subject about what a farce a lot of those are. But all yeah, we've that, talked about that. <laughs> all that failure, all those dreams dashed, all that ruining of material, all that waiting around, all that disappointment sometimes of seeing the result, that was a fantastic preparation and boot camp. And then armed me for my next stage which was going back into indie film because I had all this, this insight suddenly. And, and it had cost me nothing, really. 
other than time. Now, that- I, got into, I got into the accountancy maths. See, you sent off a bunch of seven pagers to this bunch of poor feckers that there are 60 crews out there running around like lunatics for seven grand, 15 grand, making half hours jamless donuts. And, you, and you, it costs you feck all. But if you did 60 by 10 grand, it's a million quid or something else happened out there. But it came back to your learning and your training. You learned from it. That bunch, I don't know what happened next. <laughs> some of them did okay some of them you know we did actually get them to the next stage and let's oh, face yeah. it with short films it's all about the director maybe about yeah. the actors everyone else is the cinematographer and everyone else is just completely forgotten about including the writer it that's where it all goes and fair play you know because it's the directors who pay the money to make those that's things it. and it's the actors that get on a bus in the morning for free and turn up for nothing but you know a slice of pizza that day so fair play on that. It's not a good way to get exposure as a as a writer, but it's a good point that you know all that money was being spent elsewhere. And yeah, and I'm very grateful for it. I think everyone got something from that. It was just that the magic dream didn't happen. And I think the more yeah. you can experience the dream not happening, but gaining something more humble from it is really, really healthy because then you can see progress. I think what, what's reminding me is the journey I went on because you're talking about the, the director and all that sort of taking the glory. Uh, I, I mean, I've mentioned a couple of projects in, in previous shows that I worked on because I'm an editor. I worked as an editor. Most of my career has been editing and I'm still working as an editor. I'm still editing the material that we're doing here. Uh, and in fact, I'm getting more out of it doing this than I, I normally would do on something. But I, I started off in the editing side of things and because of editing, started to learn how to write because I was working at the other end and began to realize how we were piecing together stories and, and suddenly how the juxtaposition of something changed around could mean something totally different. Uh, and I don't want to get too much into that because I know Garvin will get bored and he'll kind of get he'll jump in with something else. Sorry, Bob, no, I've already left. I had to just make yeah, a cup no, of tea no, here. Just, that's, no. that's it. Yeah. You go and have another cup of coffee. <laughs> no, George, 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 we'll fix that in post. You can forget about that. Yeah, move yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Right, I'll, we got give CJ just, some time there. Stop I'm just reflecting about yourself. No, 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 no. But I think it's important because they're, they're, it's, it's that understanding. I think a lot of writers should go out and start to learn editing of videos and films. And as Garvin has said loads of times on these shows, the technology is easy enough to actually get to use to try and work out how to cut a story together and see how it works as a piece of entertainment. And once you've actually gone from the end part, then you can deconstruct it and work out how to write something that's meaningful that could actually be made into a production and go through those processes. And I think that's an important thing that gets that gets forgotten because the writer, uh, sorry, the editor technically becomes the last screenwriter because of the yeah. way they're trying to put something together to make it work within the structure that they have. And, and, and that's quite often why the, uh, the writer gets lost, I think, because there's, there's a rewrite at the very end because something didn't Absolutely. work and you just need to keep changing it. But there's, there's a big learning in that, I think, because one of the things that I had to learn very early on was to get over the fact that you were criticized for that first draft that you've just produced in the edit and, and, and look at what the problems were. Don't take it personally. It's not a slur on you. It's basically how to look at improving the material that you're working on so that we can actually make it better for the audience that gets to see it. And that's not you. That's somebody else that's going to be watching that. And there's something I think that so many other people should be sort of learning from. So, which is why we're enjoying what we're doing, talking to writers, producers, directors, editors, cinematographers, because we're trying to say to them, look, you know, we all collaborate in this craft. We need to know what each other are doing so we can help each other improve upon that part of the craft that we're doing. So I think that's an important part of the process that we're going to I'm going to ask a question there of you, sir, CJ, because I'm back to, I haven't let go of the revolution. The revolution's still alive. Viva la revolution. (laughs) What? Where are you going to revolt next? <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to continue revolting. Um, I think that it, it's trying to cut a bigger slice of the indie scene. That's what it's, it's all about, making the indie scene aware. I think you, you, you guys made this great point, and it was that so many smaller directors or producers that have a bit of money or access to money are writing their own material, and so few of them are competent at that like and i'm being quite harsh there but i think it's fair to be harsh a lot of them have not studied the craft and it takes so long to really understand storytelling they don't they don't really know how to write an entertaining and captivating script 
but they do know how to write something that's good enough to get made and sold. So they're turning to that. It puts extra strain on them. They feel like a bit of a fraud, you know, putting that together. If we talk about what George mentioned there, the, the script that you write, the script that you shoot and the script that you edit, when they run into logistical problems and obviously editing problems, they can't fix it because they're not, again, they don't really understand the structure of what they're doing. It's making their own life more, more difficult. If that more of those people were aware that there's all these scripts out there sitting on a database like Script Revolution, which are super high quality, which will blow their minds in terms of the craft expertise, plus they're connecting with someone who can keep delivering for them for the next 25 years. But I think that's incredibly powerful. So what I would like to see more of the indie scene from the producer and director side jump in and start picking up these scripts whilst all the good ones are still available. Now, CJ, you just came to my language. Yeah. Which, no, again, not my language of today. I'm trying to learn a new bloody language. It's my language of yesteryear, <laughs> which again is business intelligence and what's the value of what's in the drawer. And what you have is, if, if I look at your, 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 your revolutionary set of drawers you have, and it's not what's in your pants, we're just talking, there's, there's this virtual drawer somewhere and you've got 10,000 scripts in it. You're saying if you stratify them and value them, there's, we know the statistics of the curve is going to say there's 5% to 10% of something very, very valuable that hasn't been mined. Those needles are in that haystack. Mm. They haven't been picked out. They haven't been valued. They haven't been shined. No one even knows they're there. And it might be enough. They're not for the one that looked and put it back, but they were for someone else that didn't know it existed. So the, the, the revolution that needs to happen is we've got to basically quantify what's in that what's in that pool we have to package the pool we have to create mini pools and it's yeah you have to bring it out because i saw the database and database is very raw and the, if people don't know how to use it or interpret it they're not able to put a picture on the box what we have is a box with no picture on, on and the jigsaw pieces are all blank we know it's going to make a spectacular picture but we don't have the rule set we don't know what the value is we yeah. don't know what's in there we don't know who knows it's because as soon as you start going to a thousand and two thousand, you can't, a spreadsheet with a thousand lines on it is now already meaningless, and it's doesn't that's just a fucking list of something. So, yeah. how do we empower what's in the drawer? So, so I'm building what I call it sounds it, it sounds really quite tacky, but I call it a scriptocracy, right? So. The fundamentals. So you talk about curation and everyone wants curation. All writers are obsessed with curation because they want to be on the curated list mm -hmm. because they want it. They want the bar to cut off just below them. And I, which, which always really winds me up. But, you know, the first thing people say is, why aren't you creating the content? So mine's being featured. So <clears throat> I'm building what I call a scriptocracy. It's fundamentally based on people simply just upvoting the scripts that they love, favoriting the scripts that they love. And Script Revolution has been doing that for five years now. And there's scripts on there that have audiences. And I believe that an audience of amateur writers alone is a valid audience. It's a good yeah. case study for the market. It's not perfect. No, I'm going to no, I'm gonna go, no, no, no. Because what I say is what's in the pool is the pool itself voting itself up and down. Who outside, if I'm an investor or I'm a production company, the only one that needs to be, I'm the fisherman. It's the fisherman needs to be doing all that, moving them up and down and valuing them. The audience are the first class of audience. If the pool is just congratulating me or how good or how better or how worse they well, are, that's the problem it's not going to get them out had. of the pool. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem that Amazon had, I think, at the very beginning, because it was, it was when people had massive tribes that could boost a project. I mean, I remember reading one of the projects that I saw and, and I knew that we could, nobody could make that film, but everybody thought it was brilliant, but they didn't seem to understand what made it brilliant and what it was okay. There you go. As a brilliant story. for who? Yeah. And you I know, think we, that was the problem. It, it's, yeah. you know, is, is there a, say, for example, one of the great things that it could be an opportunity and, and I don't know if Garvin's already thinking this, but I'm already thinking about this because we were looking for scripts in drawers that we could then feed into our model to see if it could work so that we could produce and train people that are needed in the industry. But well, the problem is trying to get a script. Now I've got scripts, but we've already seen that the, the difficulty with them is it, it does. There's a lot of work that needs to be done to fit them into our model even so, but is there a way of, of engaging with some of these people to look at, or is there a team that could be there that could work on things that, that allows that, that 
that structure to work so that it's back to actually you're saying to go into what we're trying yeah. to do. It's yeah. back to you, you touched on it yourself. In in most of the, the current rules, someone pitches a script, it's just a treat and the this, that, and the yeah. other. And that they're trying to get to the development stage. So they're going through filters of this short, it sounds great, move it to the next stage. What's the cost? You know, but now we're going technically speaking, that's just pool after new pool after different pool. Yeah. You've already, as you said, you've got a you've got a pool of fully fucking grown goldfish and there's a couple of tropical ones in there there's a couple of killer sharks they're they're all in the same fucking pool because it's one little fun i know in in the internet world unless i know script revolution and typed it in i wouldn't know it exists and i could be looking for it you know i mean i don't know what i'm looking for even if it was in front of me shouting and jumping up and down in there the moment though if if the first hello is has to be sub one million and if they don't know that question answered, then there's nothing I can actually stratify to even be in a yeah. position to even interpret what's in the pool. Now, if the, the language working backwards, and you had it in your own language on your bio, was if there's few moving parts, few actors, few locations, by definition, no CGI, no costume drama, high on dialogue and, and, and storyline, then immediately you're going, by definition, it's nearly half a million. It's 350 grand. It's a million. It's not in this other pool of a bigger goldfish. Yet they have to get out and start into different different talent pools. And then they have to dress themselves up and not be a grey elephant, be one with poker dots and, and, and checkers on to get seen. And it's and who they're flashing at is these producer investor directors that have a wish list of half a million quid and give us your give us your gold. Yeah. But I, so the way script revolution works is, I mean, it works basically by filtering first. So we talk about, you take that main pool, you put in to start what you want, what you need. So you cut out what you don't need. You're not doing horror. You don't need to look at horror. You're not looking at blockbuster or even indie budget. You want a shoestring budget. Let's cut this out. You can't deal with more than five actors, three locations. Let's cut that out. And that's going to take yeah. out thousands of scripts out of that Ex- pool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. and then what you're going to be left with is you're going to be left with a list where you have got those favorites on there and i agree that people do boost their friends up and they do boost themselves up so you have to take that with a pinch of salt um i can't think of a much better system because the problem is if you look internally you look at the introspective issue of using readers and using investors they're so biased and they really are distant from the audience and i do think amateur writers on a mass scale act like the real audience but on top of that competition wins if their prestigious competitions are logged on there and verified cover fly um, badges are on there now and coverage recommendations and considers are on there now so you might see a script on that list you like the log line it's a captivating concept it's in your genre it's in your budget everything else lines up plus 50 people love it um it's got a recommend from a coverage source that you actually respect and maybe it's won an award in a in a in a way you find it's prestigious that wow that's going to be powerful to you i I would hope and that's filtered out a lot of the other stuff around there that's no it actually said it sounds great yeah Yeah. is there a process then that um after that has been done say for example you've defined let's say 10 potential scripts are the writers or any of the people that connected to them in a, in a, in a position to be able to make a, some kind of pitch, mini pitch deck of some nature to go towards uh, how they might sell that to the director from that, that point onwards or, or the production company, let's say? That's something I need to work on more and it's going to be a push for 2022. And I'm not sure if that's going to happen internally in Script Revolution itself or I'm going to start to connect people with more of these external third parties, which is now starting to specialise in this. But what I'm trying to do is that listing page. One of the biggest problems I have is that people will just put a script and a logline on there. Like like we're back in the 1990s. VHS is the big thing. We're, we're going for that million-dollar script sale in Hollywood. Um, All I need is a piece, you know, a bound pack of papers now what script writers really need to, to jump on board with and accept is that they need to this sell they need it's this the tagging yeah. So yeah at least a synopsis at least a synopsis now Preferably- cj you're in control of the ship you're actually now yeah. terrible i'm going to be really really mean because i get all this imagery you're now captain bird's eye right so you're there you're the captain of the ship of this thing here. You set the rules and the parameters of entry and exit based on the value of what the proposition is in this tool. 
you don't get in unless every box is ticked. I work in data intelligence, yes. business warehousing. Any empty box on a database disempowers the whole system. You don't know what you're looking at. And you don't know when you're filtering and writing this GQL, SQL type language on these queries, you have no idea what's included, no idea what's excluded because every box is not filled. There's no such thing as an empty box. And therefore, you can now stratify that database and go, these ones have, haven't done the minimum. You can take them out and go, send them back. You're out yeah. unless you do them in because yeah. you're disempowering my value of my entire tool. Because as soon as someone does one search, two search, gets a piece of shit back, they're not going to bother going any further in terms of user experience on the front end. So it, it doesn't matter what's there. The, you, most of the effort is put in the back end. The time, the sell was always the front end. So you, you know, you, we can probably get your grants and things to, to up this tool because what you have is the value of the relationship with all these writers in the yeah. back end. The front end now has to be pushed out into social media sphere of it's it's a thousand writers of talent in Ireland and England and further afield actually coming together in God's glue and becoming a machine to talk to investor, producer, to create the talent and the entertainment of tomorrow. We need to package it for what it is and empower the machine. I think also that, I mean, the other thing is that we're doing quite a lot of packaging and, and trying to market what we're doing through the, the Film Production Academy. There's a lot of effort that goes into it. And, and you know, it's, it's what we are investing in ourselves as we're trying to move this part of the production ahead. And what we're trying to do is to make sure that we're not having to write scripts and do all the stuff that we technically don't need to do at the moment because there are scripts out there. But at the same time, what we don't want to be doing is spending a lot of time having to do stuff that other people could have done beforehand to help us make the decisions that we need to make. Because that's money and time being invested yeah, in something is. which we should be yeah. a no. Yeah. I mean, that could actually be about £20,000 worth of time spent yeah. just to try and work out whether is this script really worth investing half a million pounds on? And, and if we've got to go through and invest £20,000 of our time on 10 productions, you're straight up to, you know, let's say 12 productions, you're up to the quarter million mark already of time that we've had to spend to try and get to the stage where we can choose if that script is, is and we can't, we literally can't afford that because we've got- And to no one else, point. that's the weird thing. You touched on it yourself. You're going, the first thing that meets someone's criteria, they don't search any further. The rest are in the queue to go back to start. And this, uh, with, the, with the hedge fund guys and the investors and the sharks, they, 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 and the dragons are going, they said, I have a gatekeeper there that's got 3,000 in front of them. They're inundated all day long. You, know, you might have a JK Rowling in there somewhere. They might accidentally get put in the bin because they went off and got a cappuccino. It, they, there's no <laughs> who's filtering and who's valuing is a low value something that you have to get by the gatekeeper. So, and the, the, the danger, the great thing is you've got a goldfish pond, but there's no fishermen at the pond. Because fisher, all the fishermen have gone out of indie production. They don't, the, the big guys, the big budget don't need to go there. They've got people working for them. The couple of people are there, are, are eking around, kicking tires, don't know what they're looking at. And we're saying everything that's in there is a million pound something bill minimum if it's going to be a breakout feature. And it needs to get five million back to, to, to in terms of sales or something just to break even. So that's what it needs to understand that is at a minimum. And it's 50 people involved when you plug them all in. So we all understand that in indie production. So it's packaging. It's packaging the believability of the story of whose story in there is the next level of the game. And you're saying that. I think you have a load of goldfish that are going to go walk about shortly. I, I, I think also that the thing is that uh, let's bear in mind that we're talking to an audience out there that hopefully will see the benefit of what we're talking about. So this is naturally directed at you, CJ. Oh, no, this is really, brilliant. I love what's there. I, 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 think, I think what's really happening. I think what needs to happen is that the writers need to start upping their game because they if they can be up the their bonds, game, yeah. they can help you then promote what yeah. you're doing, which is a brilliant thing to be doing. And I can suddenly see all kinds of possibilities of what we're trying to do and how we can interlink with what you're talking about. Um, what the key thing is, is everybody needs to, you talked about it earlier on in the show, that you, to, to become a more successful writer, you suddenly had to seek out training of some form. I know that I've done the same kind of thing. I'm constantly training. I'm constantly learning new skills because I'm trying to up my game in what I do. And, and not only that, it's also telling me that I don't need to do as much hard work as I thought I had to do. 
to get the job done. Because most, I mean, I watched a great, I'm into 3D and I do a lot of stuff. And there was a guy that was a 3D artist, Sunday Sunday, I've learned 3D. And I've just wasted five years of my life because I thought I had to get it perfect. When all of a sudden, if you realize as an artist that all you need to do is do a shortcut, your audience doesn't get to see all the wealth that you put in there. They'll just see the basic illusion of what you're trying to do. And that's really what we're about. And if people learned to understand that, they could suddenly see there are shortcuts to allow their vision to be seen. And it will cost far less than what they thought they were going to do. And that's the key, I think, with what we're... Actually, you just touched on the word there. And I was trying to think of it here, George and CJ. You're moving from freemium to premium. premium. They're in there now. They're in the pool. But if they're in there and they're not investing further, they're, they're in the freemium model. You go, no matter what you did, there's a, there's a car at Vistaprint. No, you always went on for the free, your, the free card, your free business card. You went on for the black and white, this, that. No matter what you did, you came out with a full <laughs> color, double embossed. 500 effects. Canvas paper. <laughs> it's, people will be brought through that. Pro- you've got the start of the process there now in that what you have with the revolution. But the revolution is about to begin because the revolution is in the packaging and promotion of the talent and bringing them further along the tra- tra- chain of train and investing themselves and package further to get the breakout matched to the investor production producer in indie sphere. It's there. You've done the hardest job. You pulled them. The pool knows where it is. That becomes the go-to pool. The only show in town. And if you're not in there, you affect all our little chance of ever getting out of the draw. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> we, I've just noticed that my glasses come almost to the bottom. And we're at that sort of point in time now where we have to bring the bring the show to an end because we, we've just gone over the we hour. We didn't even talk about your film, the brilliant film. No, whatever, whatever we knew that, we knew that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen. But I think what was really... what. what this these kind of conversations are actually fabulous because out of it comes all these new ideas all these different perspectives all these possible ways of moving forward and i think that's something that you know i've really enjoyed out of the conversation that we've had you know listening to what's been going on we're all talking about the same thing what you need to do if you want to understand the film industry is you need to get proper training you need to know how the system works at the different stages within the system that makes the whole work. And you need to understand that once it works, where those things go out and how they, how they can reach their target audience. There's no, it's not a mystery. It's not a, an, it's not a fairy tale thing where as, as, as CJ mentioned, Cinderella and the fairy godmother comes back and sort of boom, you know, that is not reality. Reality is a hard graft and you need to fully understand how this works one of the problems with a lot of uh, young filmmakers especially when they're students is they go off and they 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 don't fully understand how the wheels work they try to reinvent the wheel it doesn't or it doesn't work it falls apart it goes to pieces because they haven't fully appreciated what it is that need needs they need to do to get into the system if you're going to be a nurse right you have to go off and train in the real world with other nurses to understand how that problem works if you want to be a mechanic you have to do exactly the same thing you need to do an apprenticeship the student part is great to give you the insight and some of the theories that you need to learn but then you need to put them into practice and you need to put them into practice with professionals that are working in the industry if you can't get into that industry what what we're proposing is that is the method of giving you that experience that will give you a launch pad into your into your new career and what CJ is doing for all those writers out there is providing a platform that has the potential to get you into a script writing process, learn from the other people that are there. But also you've got to put a lot more effort, more than just writing. It's your responsibility as the writer to promote your work. Everybody else is doing it. We're having to do it with the Film Production Academy. CJ is having to do it with, with the revolutionary writers website that he's working on. Everybody has to promote themselves. If you let that ball fall, your stuff will just remain in the drawer. You'll never get out there. And I think that's the reality of this world that we're living. So I think it's fabulous, CJ. This is, I've got so much out of this show from listening to what you've had to say and the way that we've interacted, what Garvin's been talking about as well. it's, It's just, it's really crystallizing our thoughts of where we're actually seeing things go. So just as a final concluding part, 
what would you like to say to that audience of writers out there and what do they need to do to get their scripts to the right people? Well, I mean, firstly, I want to say that I, I, I don't want to, to, to strike any fear into writers who are vulnerable and struggling and, you know, who are really on their last. That's my job, CJ. You do yeah. the rest. <laughs> um, and, and, and Script Revolution will always be safe harbour, regardless of where you are and, and, and you know, how much you want to put in beyond writing itself. And if you do want to just write and that's what you need, and that's your therapy, Script Revolution at least gives you that baseline of somewhere you can put a script and just get on with your writing. And there will always be a chance. And it does happen that people get found that way. However, if you want to maximise your odds and that you have energy there beyond just writing and you're, you're pacing around your room or your house thinking, what can I do? And you've queried and you've reached out and you've tried to network and none of it is really resulting in anything, then I encourage anyone in that position, if you already have your craft pretty much mastered, to just start thinking like a producer, start thinking about marketing that script, building that package, building that pitch, building that proof of concept, um, and, and marketing yourself and your voice and who you are as well and pushing that out. And Script Revolution will give you some, some benefits from that. It will try and put you towards the top of lists or you will get featured. But just in general, getting yourself out there rapidly and exponentially increases the chances someone's going to come back. You have to meet the universe halfway when it comes to your expectations. And you cannot expect anything to happen if you lock yourself in a dark room. It's not just about keeping the script in the drawer. It's about keeping yourself in the drawer. Mm. And there is no Oscar for remaining humble. There is no business plan in the world which takes a company and puts it in a cupboard and hides it away in hopes that the world comes and finds it. So, I mean, be proud of yourself. Be proud of your voice. And get out there and it doesn't have to be arrogant it doesn't have to be tacky <clears throat> do it in a classy way and i'm going to show you that you should see some benefits lovely lovely garvin final word i heard one word and it was good actually i was going to criticize not criticize it, but safe harbor you've created a safe harbor which is brilliant now the one the famous famous sayings out there is you know ships were meant to sail they aren't meant to stay in safe harbor. If you fancy yourself a ship and explorer and you're leave, you've got to leave safe harbor, as you said, because you finished off the sentence with go out and meet the universe halfway. You've just left safe harbor. That's where the journey begins. But you're going out there, you're set sail with the crew, Captain Bird's eye and his mates, and we're going off together because the only way you leave safe harbor is you found your ship and you found your crew, and we're setting sail to sort of brighter shores. I see that happening. The revolution is on. We'll be back. Absolutely. And I think that's the key thing. The, the very final thing is, at the moment when you feel like giving up is usually the moment when the doors are about to break open. So keep on pushing through. Thanks, everybody. Bye for now, and look forward to come for it. Thanks look a lot. forward to you seeing you next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this video. Please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications.